Night. I'm cleaning out cleaning my closet. closet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, mom. mom. Boom, 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 That's boom. because these recordings literally take place in my closet, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there, there's no glory. There's no like, oh wow, you know, Marcus is and Eddie's. They're in these studios. Like, no, no. it's no glamour. Uh, <laughs> I'm staring at my wardrobe right now. Yeah, I had to. I had to lock my dog out of the office. He's probably sitting right outside the door like huffing and puffing Walter he's the worst Welcome to episode three of the Canvas Casters podcast. We are so excited to be back. We took a few weeks off. We had fall break and then uh, we had a little bit of time that we wanted to wait until our next guest was available. So Marcus, it's good to be back. Absolutely. I'm excited. So for those of you that didn't get a chance to listen to us for episode one, just a brief introduction. I'm Eddie Small. I'm the CTE Innovation Coach. CTE stands for Career and Technical Education Innovation Coach at Central Nine Career Center. And I've been using Canvas for about six months. And I'm Marcus Painter. I'm the coordinator of digital learning at Twin Lakes School Corporation uh, in Monticello, Indiana. And I've been using Canvas for uh, almost seven years. Uh, He's the OG. Yes. This is what we call OG. He's been using it kind of since day one. Yeah. And he has been around for a while. And I and we've talked about this and we talked about it specifically with with Megan Tolan, uh, you know, how how Canvas has evolved and how it's gotten to this point. It has been quite quite a uh, development for sure. Speaking of fall break, Eddie, you were telling me before we went on break, uh, you were telling me about a training that you did canvas specific training there at C9. And it was quite a to do. I want to hear more. It was. um, Well, here's the thing. We'll just we'll take it back a few years. I won't say how many years. uh, But my wife is a Harry Potter fanatic. So a uh, huge Harry Potter fan, loves the books, loves the movies, has always been a big fan. And I, I also enjoy, you know, the movies and the books as well, kind of being in that age group where it's Harry Potter, everything. And we did a 30th birthday party and we had uh, people dress up and I did like all of the snacks and things like that, as well as some decorations and um, just anything Harry Potter that you can think of, a sorting hat, um, a broom, a flying broom, things like that. I had all these decorations and we've been using them for Halloween for the past couple of years. So I had these all in a tote already and I'd always had this idea, is there any way that I can reuse these materials for a professional development? And I knew at the beginning of the year, I wanted to do like a speed dating Type PD. Have you ever been involved in one of those, Marcus, like the where they, they have different groups and you kind of go around and each person has a couple minutes just to show you their yes, thing? Uh, I, I have, you ever, have. have you ever seen I have anything seen, like that? Uh, I have seen that a couple of times and I, I dig it. Now, I'm going to be honest, like we're in the tree okay. here. Everything right. that you just said about Harry Potter was completely over my head. I don't understand any of yeah, it. Yeah, so... <laughs> And I'm gonna that's okay. Along. There are probably listeners in the same boat. So if you're not a Harry Potter fan, you can just fast forward this until we get to Conan. Uh, <laughs> uh, but what I ended up doing was I wanted to do speed dating. And then I was like, "Ooh, could we do speed dating through Hogwarts? And then because of the Canvas integration, could I then develop a PD based off of speed dating through Hogwarts with Canvas tools or yeah. Canvas apps? So I basically picked a few of our, we, we call them Panda Pilots, our, our team of, of Canvas early adopters. They were the ones kind of tasked with developing things on specific subjects like Canvas Studio, 
canvas grade book, uh, all of those things that you normally would see or that might be basic that they could present over. So I gave them those tasks and said, hey, show up. I asked them to dress up. None of them did. That was OK. Whoops. <laughs> Nothing like asking teachers to like, hey, by the way, I uh, really want you to do this thing. Maybe two or three minutes per group. We'll rotate around the room. And then also I'd like you to dress up yes, like a wizard you, or witch. Could they you tap really like into that. your uh, your because everyone has that. Everyone has that section of their closet full of wizard wizardry. I Edward. record in my closet. Uh, <laughs> this great acoustics awesome. in here, by the way. So what what ended up happening was as. I went into our LGI space, our large group instruction space, put in uh, five pods and then split everybody up into houses like they would in Hogwarts. So somebody would be in Gryffindor, somebody would be in Slytherin. They got stickers. Um, they participated uh, inside the group and they got house points and we had a house cup. So it was, it was really, really cool. But I didn't anticipate our culinary class getting really oh excited and they made Harry Potter snacks. So we had like chocolate wands and butterbeer. So we had, hey, if we're going to do a professional development, we probably right. should feed you. You know, that's kind of the best thing to, to have when you do PDs or trainings. And they jumped right in with all of these snacks. We're drinking butterbeer. We're eating chocolate wands, which are just chocolate covered pretzels. But it, it was great. Like it was phenomenal. And everybody seemed really engaged. They got a lot out of it. I'm not trying to brag or anything, but I, there were some teachers that walked away and said best PD hey. they ever had. So um, it Way worked out pretty well. Magic. And then, uh, right, a little bit of magic in October. And it really sent me into break feeling really good about what we do. And I know sometimes that doesn't always happen because we're constantly changing or iterating or failing and trying new stuff and going into break. I felt really good about it. So thanks for bringing it up. I'm glad I could share. It's, it was a really good time. And I'd be more than happy to share any of the materials I used, um, any of the formatting that we use to any listener out there. Just yeah, feel free I, to reach out. You talked through some of it with me. And uh, we talked about, you know, what it might look like. And I, I definitely remember you sending some pictures of how the place was set up. And, you know, to me, as, as a person who leads PD in my corporation, um, you, you had the, the important ingredients, right? You had the content that we had right. to cover. Uh, but then you also have, you've got to package the, the professional learning in a way that is creative and, and, and different. Um, so you had that. That, if nothing else, if nothing else, it just shows the level of um, investment that you have put into the work that you've created. Uh, and then you top it off with food. And uh, like, <laughs> food, honestly, like, the best part. <laughs> it, I usually just throw like chocolate, like chocolate mini candy bars. And that that is in itself right. like, hey, we like you, Marcus. You gave us chocolate. So you had you had themed snacks. So it kind of had you, you ticked all the boxes. Yeah, but, but also part of that is it was ticking a lot of boxes. But we have talked about, too, the fact that I don't I hate to like sound like I have this special place that no one else really gets to enjoy. But I am blessed to have a culinary program that gets yeah. excited about things like that. An administrative team that says, OK, Eddie, you're getting a little crazy here, but we're going to let you do it anyways. <laughs> there were a couple of I think they just didn't quite understand. They were like, yeah, OK, well, if you want to do that, we'll see what it look. And then they come in, they go, I think you nailed this. Like it's it's just the right amount of decorations. It's just the right amount of atmosphere. And it's it's the same thing we want to do with students, which is let's create experiences. So I'm trying to model that for my teachers. Like, look at the experience I'm creating for you in a short amount of time for a professional development. Do some of those things with your kids. 
see what kind of engagement you get beyond your normal lesson when you, you know, play Harry Potter music in the background and you've got decorations laid out on the table and you give them this experience, even if it's just a short hour right. or two hour experience, it is something that's meaningful. So it's definitely worked. Now I'm thinking about like, how am I right. going to theme the next PD and how am I going to, so it's created more work, I think, than it initially, that it initially wanted it to be for me, but uh, I'm excited about it and I'm really looking forward to the that's next awesome. PD we get to host. Very for lucky sure. about where I work because we are coming out of fall break. You were talking about the approach to e-learning. Now, for those of you that are, aren't familiar with e-learning, we'll let Marcus kind of tell you a little bit about it. But we do something in Indiana called e-learning uh, for inclement weather days or to add um, some days back that we might get taken away uh, due to weather. So, Marcus, uh, tell us a little bit about how you guys approach uh, e-learning. Yeah. So, um, so e-learning in Indiana is quite a hot topic. And uh, basically, when we say e-learning, we're talking about uh, inclement weather days where school is canceled. You know, for a long, long time, that meant that you got a phone call or you checked the news and then you rolled back over in bed and that was it. Uh, and so in the last, you know, eight to 10 years, of course, we've developed into using learning management systems to deliver content uh, so that we can get some value, some learning value out of that day, and then therefore be able to count it towards our total number of instructional days. At Twin Lakes, uh, we have the, our sort of protocol is that attendance and grades are two separate things, right? And so we use Canvas in our grades six through 12. And it came to me from the principal at the high school, they wanted to come up with a good system dealing with attendance um, so that it could take some burden off of teachers uh, because, you know, your typical high school teacher on an e-learning snow day or fog day, believe it or not, we have fog days uh, or just extreme cold. Those teachers are getting getting up in the morning and basically taking what they had originally planned to do and redesigning on the fly for a digital space um, and, and adjusting. So it's a lot of work. And so we came up with a plan uh, to, to cope with the attendance that took the attendance off the shoulders of the teachers. And so at Twin Lakes, I am one of the Canvas administrators and we basically, I kind of just thought it through and I thought, you know what? Here's some things I know, and uh, I know Google Forms. So uh, I proposed to the principal and assistant principal, I said, uh, how about if we make attendance up to the kids? We're talking about high school kids at this point, grades 9 through 12. And I said, there is no reason. There is no reason why those kids can't uh, log in and take their own attendance, if you will. It brings up an interesting conversation mm -hmm. that I've had with teachers all over the state because it's done differently everywhere. Uh, my philosophy is that students can come into a day, uh, a normal school day and do nothing, but they are physically present. And so because they right. are physically present in the room, right. they are a, their attendance record reflects that. And so um, I felt like mm -hmm. and I feel like connecting the work to be done and their attendance is is not a uh, an appropriate thing to do. Uh, I think it's completely possible that a kid can log into Canvas on a snow day and check the attendance and check themselves in, if you will. And then if they choose not to do that work, um, right. that's the same type of choice that they would have in a normal day. Um, so we decided to design this um, attendance policy. Basically, it's a simple Google form. And as an administrator, we've made uh, class of classes. So graduating class of 2020. Okay. 21, 
and so forth. Yeah. 20, So we made those classes and they're populated with those kits. And then what I do is I go in and I made a button. I made a really obnoxious button in Canva uh, so that it was something very obvious for for students to see when they log into Canvas. Uh, It shows up in there in their stream, um, they know that they are going to go to their class of class and there will be an announcement and it says e-learning attendance for then the day and the date. And they click the button and it automatically opens up to the Google form where they basically put their first and last name. It collects their email and they mark themselves present. That's been, we've been doing, we did that last year. And of course this took some practice. Um, We had, I think three practice run days before we had an actual scheduled Mm -hmm. e-learning day. And that was all in preparation for the eventual weather e-learning days. Um, And and so through the course of those three practice days, uh, we got to where we had basically troubleshot, if you will, all the kids who had been sort of avoiding using Canvas, (laughs) all the kids who could not log in and hadn't said anything to anybody. But now there was an even more pressing need. So we were able to troubleshoot. And and now it's to Mm -hmm. the point where it's second nature. And uh, we had an e-learning day a week ago on Friday. And sure enough, within, you know, a half hour of the posting uh, of that attendance form, you know, in our corporation, 600 or so kids, boom, attendance. Now, what they did in terms of work, I don't know. Um, That's that's where the classroom teachers are are in control. But in terms of attendance, that attendance goes directly to the the attendance officer, the the uh, assistant principal, principal and the attendance secretary and guidance. So all the necessary people get that list and they can then go ahead and uh, deal with the attendance issues that may or may not arise from it. Uh, but they've been really pleased. Uh, that approach to attendance is pretty spot on. And, and we've had I mean, we've had discussions. This is the first time Central Nine is a career center, non-traditional K through 12. Obviously, we have students coming from sending school, something I've talked about before. We were using a a week of e-learning to basically offset those students that were on their fall breaks, but not on campus with us because every school has a different fall break. So there were some schools that were at home while we were still in session because their home schools were technically off. Now, they can come to us because we're in session if they'd like, but because their schedule doesn't really line up, their homeschool schedules doesn't line up with Central 9, they're not required. They're not mandated to come. So because of that, we were doing these e-learning days so that we can provide content so those teachers don't have to reteach. And what we've taken away from it is there has been some feedback from teachers, as there always is, where they feel like no one did it during that week, how do they know what kind of attendance do we have? What kind of analytics can I go into Canvas and see who got on and who did what and when they did it? Uh, because I think the feedback they're getting from from some of their students is, well, we're not going to do it until the deadline. And the deadline's been pushed, you know, closer to the end of the month. So we just have to modify and change and iterate and and make that um, make that deadline better or those expectations a little bit more clear for our students right. because we were 15, 16 year old kids once. <laughs> if you told me the Absolutely. deadline was the 20th, I'm going to do it on the 19th. So, so I, I like your approach. I definitely am stealing it as I always do from you. Uh, <laughs> everything that, everything that you do better, uh, because yeah, you've right. done it longer. Um, but that's I, not a hit on I, your I will age. say this though, and this was one, um, <laughs> little thing that I ended up, uh, stumbling upon, uh, along with that, that attendance approach. So we talk a lot about, I feel like the, the more simple I can make something in terms of design within the LMS, the better. Uh, and if that means an, an extra keystroke or two for me, uh, or the teacher, I feel like that's very much worth it 
in terms of creating the best possible environment for the for the student. And this attendance thing is a great example because when I post those announcements, like the the attendance post for that day, one little thing that I learned was if I select my button in that announcement, if I click on it and then I hit control K or command K on a Mac, it gives me a little pop up and it gives me the option to force that thing to open up in a new tab. And that was a really big deal um, for me because I don't want kids to click on something within Canvas and then immediately cover up their Canvas page or their course page. And so by doing the attendance that way, right. when the when the student clicks it, it opens up that Google form in a new tab and it leaves their Canvas, it leaves their page there, uh, their session there. And so they can go over to that. It opens up the new tab. They take their attendance for themselves and then they can go back to the Canvas tab and get to work. Uh, and that one little thing that I'm able to do on the back end of setting that up is, I think, really, really helpful for students. It's just one less distraction. So before we get into our interview with the Kona Jones, I, we're, I'm like thrilled to have her on. Uh, but before we get into the interview, we wanted to talk a little bit about the podcast. We've given some expectations. Our goal is about twice a month. We want to have two episodes a month for you to listen to and to put out there. Uh, we've kind of tried to accomplish that early and then give you some extra content here as we schedule guests. And Marcus, we keep looking at like, we're not quite sure what we're doing, but we hope we're doing it right. Um, lots of lots of people are listening. Lots of people are interacting. Uh, we're so excited about all of our new listeners and our new followers. So we wanted to put something in our podcast each week that basically gave a little shout out to those folks that are that are new to the podcast or that are new to our Twitter account. That's kind of I feel like that's where all of the educators are right now, either on Twitter as the social media platform. But we want to give shout outs to uh, some of our most recent follows on Twitter. Uh, and so we've got uh, one, five, five people today. Uh, Adam Kuntz at Adam Kuntz. Miss Conrad at Miss Conrad EDU, Steve Jackman at S Jeeves, Matt. Oh, I'm going to uh, Matt. Sorry, Matt. I'm going to ruin your name. Matt Zelaznik at Zelaznik. And you can roast me on Twitter if I butchered your name. Matt Zelaznik and Cat Flippin at Cat Flippin. Uh, so thank you so much for giving us a follow on Twitter. Uh, we love that you guys are engaging and uh, letting us into the community. And we hope we don't let you down. <laughs> we really hope we haven't <laughs> let you down at this point. And if we have, yes. we're so sorry. Um, Canvas hasn't pulled us off the air yet, folks. We're really excited. Episode three, Kona Jones, the Canvas Jedi. She is coming up very shortly. pleasure to introduce the director of online learning and facilitator of the faculty academy at Richland Community College. She is the developer of training and materials, the provider of instructional design support, the Canvas Jedi, ladies and gentlemen, fresh off the keynote for Can Innovate 19, Kona Jones. Yay! That's a really cool clap in the background. Yeah. There's some sound effects. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Well, thank you. I am so excited to be here and talk with both of you. Kona, welcome to the show. Uh, give us the Kona Jones story from, be from the beginning 
through to becoming the Kona is the canvas Jedi that we've been told by literally everyone we've talked to. Where'd you start and how'd you work your way to the point of uh, basically everyone telling us that we had to talk to you? Wow. That's, uh, that's kind and, of and you have 30 seconds, go. And I have 30 <laughs> seconds. Um, yeah, so the uh, my elevator pitch uh, was in grad school, loved technology, loved learning, um, really loved the intersection of the two of them. So I was still in grad school working on the PhD, saw an advertisement for a director of online learning job and thought, you know, hey, it's just right up the road. I'll give it a try. So gave it a try. They hired me, not sure what they were thinking. I was really green, but they did, so thank you. And uh, jumped in, and my first day, they're like, so we are switching learning management systems uh, in a month, and we have nothing planned. And I'm like, okay, wow, yeah. Uh, That was actually a switch from WebCT to Angel. That um, went really great because uh, Blackboard bought Angel the semester before we actually um, opened it up. So that was a really great time. And so we basically started planning our exit strategy from Angel before we had fully integrated it. Uh, the whole, like, in a, like how it happened in the first place from WebCT to Angel, just kind of, it wasn't a great uh, transition. And so I'm like, you know what, whatever we're going to transition to from Angel to the next thing, it's going to be, I'm going to, you know, fix everything I did wrong. Um, I'm going to do it right this time. Uh, So we put together a group. Um, They picked Canvas. Uh, This was back in, we picked Canvas like February, March of 2012. So this was a while ago. You know, this was kind of back in the early days of Canvas. It was kind of the new kid on the block. And so they picked Canvas and said, okay, um, I really worked with people at Canvas. We had, I mean, Jordan Dayton. We had, I had Ben Cannon in my back. I mean, we had some people um, who had kind of been there towards the beginning, really helping us get ready to roll this out. So rolled it out and it was amazing. It was wonderful. I started getting into the Canvas community, um, which at that time was kind of this, um, <laughs> just this little bitty place that not a lot of people hung out. And, uh, you know, I'm known to maybe ask pointed questions or to, you know, say things that, you know, is truthful, but maybe I'm a little blunt occasionally. <laughs> and uh, people were okay with that. And they kind of embraced it. And they answered my questions. And they didn't, you know, kind of get upset by my questions. And if anything, they said, yes, let's ask more questions. Let's talk. And so I kind of fell in love with the Canvas community. And from there, it just kind of kept going, uh, intended a bunch of instructor cons, got to meet a bunch of people. And for me, it's just, it's the people, it's the community, and it's my love of education. So it's kind of been a winding path, but that's yeah, awesome. it's the people. That's, uh, that's, that's kind of the experience that we've had so far, um, just with the interactions, the, the few interactions we've had is just like everybody that is passionate about Canvas is passionate about uh, relationships, um, with, with the community and everybody wraps themselves. Sorry, Marcus, everybody wraps themselves around you in the canvas community. It's almost like you get this big bear hug (laughs) to not steal a, not steal a term from the pandas, but like I got a big panda bear hug when we were like, you know what, we're thinking about doing this thing and moving away from classroom. And all these people just reached out immediately. And even when we started this podcast, it's like, oh my gosh, look at this cool thing Mm -hmm. that everyone needs to listen to, or everyone needs to be a part of. And you just feel this support that I don't think, I don't think we get enough of 
when we have these systems available to us as educators. So it's, I mean, it's just so refreshing to hear somebody else say the same thing where it was like, I'd started this thing and we were in the community and all of a sudden everybody was like, yeah, let's go. Let's talk more. Let's discuss more. Let's be a part of something bigger. So and very, very really, cool. You're right. I mean, that's the beauty of the Canvas community. And it really, it's not out there in other LMSs. I've talked with a number of other schools who've recently made the switch to Canvas or just recently made the decision to switch to Canvas. And that's one thing um, I hear a lot is they're like, the community just, there's nothing equal to it for many of the other LMSs. I mean, the other LMSs might have similar functionality. They might do some similar things. But one thing that definitely sets Canvas apart is the people, the community, the sharing yeah, just that that spirit. Absolutely. Together. Yeah. So the I want to know more about uh, your your current role. Uh, so your role is director of online learning at Richland Community College. Um, we Eddie and I were talking about this. We, we've been spending a lot of time talking to higher education folks as it relates to Canvas. Um, and so, you know, what is your what is your day to day like um, in, in that role? Uh Every day is different. Uh, it was kind of interesting you asked that question because literally every single day is just something new and something different and something challenging. Uh, I think that's why I love it so much because it's not like you come in and you know you're doing the same thing every day. You come in and you might have some things you'd like to get done, but you know, hold on to the seat of your pants because who knows what email is going to pop in, who knows what student or faculty member is going to walk in your door. So uh, everything, every day is different. Uh, I think the biggest thing for me that I love, though, is that and uh, working with the faculty. I do a lot of troubleshooting with faculty. Uh, I do a lot of, you know, what's the best way to um, do this in Canvas? Uh, a lot of kind of pedagogical design in terms of, you know, I'm, I've been trying to do this, but it's not working. What's what's a better way to do it or a different way to do it? Um, and that can be even in classroom or out of classroom. So kind of, I will say my role is transitioning from director of online learning into more director of teaching and learning because I do help all of our faculty, regardless of whether they teach online or not. Um, my area also is over uh, student technology use. So we are the help desk for students. So students come in, we provide troubleshooting. Uh, we work on their computers for free. Um, so students can bring their personal devices in. We work on them for free. Wow. Uh, we provide professional development trainings, uh, accessibility stuff. Uh, we're starting to, on the plagiarism area. So uh, basically, if it has anything to do with technology, teaching, learning, helping students, um, faculty, any of that, it kind of comes under my umbrella. So a lot of I wear lots of hats. And not only are you obviously there at Richland Community College, but you are fresh off your keynote at Can Innovate 19. Tell us about that experience. That just happened, right? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Like the vibe of the audience was just amazing. Like they are so high energy, high excitement. I mean, it is an amazing audience. It's an amazing group. Um, the other sessions. Oh, my. I mean, they have got such high quality sessions. They the planning committee for that group is phenomenal because they just do a great job of pulling together some amazing people, um, getting the audience revved up. And then, yeah, it's, it was wonderful. Just absolutely great experience. If you haven't attended, uh, virtually, I would strongly recommend it, uh, or even go check out their resources because they make sure all of their resources, um, the recordings are all freely available. <laughs> the hashtag can innovate 19 mm -hmm. uh, will probably lead them to uh, some of those materials and resources. Yeah. I mean, honestly, just do a Google search for can innovate 
and you're going to get it. It's like the first thing that pops up, C-A-N-I-N-N-O-V-A-T-E, and you're going to get it. So what was it that urged you to become such an advocate for online learning and, and specifically that transition to Canvas? Or was it just a natural progression from where you were? Is there something that happened that you were like, I this is my calling. I love online learning. This is the piece uh, that I'm going to spend most of my days working towards. Oh, you know, actually, it's kind of interesting. I had always kind of fought being in education. Um, I always had people say, oh, are you going to be like your mom and be a teacher? Uh, are you going to be like, you know, your grandpa, your great grandma? And I'm just like, no, you know, I'm not going to be a teacher. And, you know, and guess what? Hey, I'm, I'm teaching and I'm helping teachers teach. And so, you know, but so I kind of always fought it and I'm not exactly sure why. But uh, when I was getting my master's degree um, in cognitive psychology and quantitative psychology, I uh, got to be a TA, right? Because we want to get that college paid for. So I was a TA and it was my first experience actually teaching and I fell in love with it. I absolutely thought, why have I been fighting this? Um, I love this. So I fell in love with teaching and I loved that. Uh, my TA, so the, the faculty member I was TAing under, um, he integrated a lot of technology. You know, this was back, you know, early days and we really didn't have a lot of online learning and a lot of that, but he really was doing a great job of integrating technology into that curriculum for a face-to-face -face class. And I was kind of seeing where it was helping students make better connections and understanding material better. And from a kind of cognitive perspective and learning perspective, it just fascinated the heck out of me. Um, I was just really kind of like, wow, how can we use technology? Okay. And don't make fun of me. Cause remember I'm old. Um, don't make fun of me, but it was like that whole idea of, wow, we can really use technology to improve learning. Like technology and learning could be harnessed together. So seriously, don't make fun of me. This was back in the day. Um, and so that fascinated me. And so when I got done with my master's degree, um, I went, I decided, you know what, for my PhD, I'm not going to stay in psychology. I'm going to go to curriculum instruction. Um, and do an, a, an kind of an emphasis on uh, technology and education. And so went, um, did, you know, all my coursework there, uh, got some really great, um, like, opportunities to, uh, I was also then an assistant in uh, CEDAR, which was a completely online program at the University of Illinois, uh, Urbana-Champaign. And so I got to work with that group, and it was an amazing group, and I got to see online learning uh even though it was still kind of in its early infancy, done right. Like they were doing it right. And I loved it. Um, and so that's kind of, that's how I got into online learning. And then with Canvas, it's just kind of, it goes back to what I've said before. I mean, it was just the fact that when I called them on something, they didn't like say, try to, you know, brush it under the rug. They'd be like, yeah, you're right. We made a mistake and this is how we're going to fix it. Um, or yeah, you're right. That, that does suck. And we do need to be better. Um, so I loved the openness, the transparency, owning up to when something wasn't quite right. Um, but the fact that they were still there for you, that connection, um, just all of the things that make Canvas amazing kind of sucked me in and kind of made me want to be better and do better for my faculty as well as help others. And you mentioned in the bio that you facilitated something called the Faculty Academy, yeah. um, something that we I, I don't think we necessarily have heard of before. So could you explain kind of what that is and uh, some of the important things you're doing with that? So our Faculty Academy here is just kind of our professional development umbrella. So all of our different, you know, 
workshops, um, any faculty member who maybe wants to speak on a topic of what, you know, their interests, their research, their conferences stuff uh, is all kind of housed under what we call faculty academy. So we just have different types of programming. Um, one of our programming that was recently really successful, we just got a whole new active learning center. So we redid an entire wing of our second floor uh, all around active learning. But what we felt was that uh, you can't just give faculty the space and not get them prepared to use it. And so we had a whole year worth of, um, you know, kind of programmed activities, sessions, um, opportunities for faculty to pair and share, field trip opportunities for faculty to go and see what other schools were doing, all centered around, you know, what is active learning? Um, the fact that most of our faculty didn't realize active learning, you know, they're already doing it. They just didn't realize they were doing it. And so kind of better understanding what they were doing, um, how to improve it, what other faculty were doing. That was kind of one of our more successful ones that we've done. Uh, but it's it's that kind of idea. It's it's to the point where I'm going to clip all of this audio and send it to my staff because we are in that active learning discussion right now as we're building an, a new space, uh, oh. sort of a um, we're calling it. Well, we're we're beta testing the name Central Square, uh -huh. um, but we're going to have a space dedicated to you know, teacher collaboration and professional development, also a space they can bring their students that's a little bit more flexible um, and that maybe enhances uh, some of the stuff through Steelcase. Um, so we're really excited about that partnership and, and being able to develop something like that for teachers. We we may be in I may be in contact with you uh, as I'm looking toward having them be actively engaged in the thought process for active learning. And it's not just this fancy space that we're giving them um, to model that. It's amazing when you get them really talking about it. Uh, I mean, we had a history professor who's like, oh, what's this active learning stuff? And then we get her going, we get her into the space and she's using uh, Oregon Trail. We actually got Oregon Trail for her, got her, <laughs> got it on the computers. And here she is, you know, doing Oregon Trail with her students. Um, and so it's just, it was student, our faculty came up with just all sorts of really amazing ways that either they had been and just hadn't had been using active learning, but just didn't realize it and sharing it or new things they could be doing um, in the space. I mean, ultimately, I think a good teacher, it doesn't matter what classroom you put them in. They're going to be amazing. At the same time, you give them an amazing yeah, space. I, I really love the to grow. teaching teachers how to sort of capitalize on the power of the space and capitalize on things that they're already doing. They just may not know the the term, you know, they may not know the terminology that that basically describes what they've been doing uh, already. Mm -hmm. well, I love that. And I also really like the whole time you were talking about the the teachers collaborating and, and Eddie was talking about uh, that similar idea. To me, that speaks to us as adults being able to put our ego aside. You know, a true collaboration, if it's going to really happen the way that it's supposed to, mm -hmm. it really does require us to just, you know, yeah. be able to say, I don't have all the answers and I don't know all the things. And those types of uh, learning activities where I, I just think they, they, they're much more effective if we're able to put the ego aside. So I, I love the, I love what both of you guys were saying uh, about active learning and how, how your teachers are really finding ways to grow uh, within, within their role. Speaking of, you know, these, you know, active learning, but then also we hear a, a lot about online instruction um, 
and, and online instruction with purpose. And that's the big sort of buzzword. Uh, can you touch on what that means specifically uh, for you and your role um, and, and how that translates to the educators that you work with? Absolutely. And, you know, I know it's like a, a big buzzword right now for online, but I just recently, in fact, just the beginning of this semester, I had an adjunct retreat and we spent the afternoon basically talking about this. And most of the teachers there taught face to face. So uh, I think it's important to note that this is not just an online thing. Um, it, it is an education thing. Uh, and for me, how I really frame it and how I framed it in that session uh, was to, it's a really good chance to kind of almost, I say, go back to your roots, go back to your main course outcomes, go back to what's your big question? Um, what do you really want students to remember a year from now? You know, so your students take your class. What do you really want them to know a year from now? What do you really want them to know three years, five years? What's that big takeaway? What's kind of for me, what's your big purpose? Um, and obviously, yes, you need to align them to your course outcomes and all of that type of stuff. But uh, I mean, I teach statistics as an adjunct. And, uh, you know, do I really expect students to be able to do a T-test in a year? Not really. In five, oh gosh, no, I know they're not going to be able to. Uh, but is that what I really want them as their big takeaway? No, in all honesty, my main purpose of my class is more a statistical understanding of what is statistics? How can they be used to mislead you? How can you really look at something uh, that you see out in the real world, whether it's on the news and a journal article uh, on a you know magazine, whatever, and to be able to look at that and figure out does that statistic even, you know, could it be accurate? What can I do to better understand, um, you know, is it misleading? Uh, looking at charts and graphs and figures out in the real world. Uh, for me, that's my main purpose. And so as I'm designing my course, and this is kind of what I work with with faculty is too, I mean, having this conversation, you know, like, great, you want to hit all of your, you know, your main, you know, course outcomes, but What's that big thing? What's the big passion? What's the big thing that you want students to actually remember and get from your course? And let's make sure you're really hitting that. Let's make sure your assignments kind of come back to that. Let's make sure your discussions or whatever it is you're doing, let's make sure it kind of comes back to that main purpose. Um, so like for me, a lot of my discussions focus on, you know, here's some different articles I found, you know, and every year or every semester I refresh them. And here's some ways to evaluate that article. And so having students actually evaluate articles and then share, you know, what they think and then kind of learning from each other. Uh, and then I get to chime in and kind of bring some things to their attention. But for me, it's like learning that real world thing. And that's my big purpose. That's my big thing. My, my last remaining math class was a, a stat class, and it was specifically designed for, quote, liberal arts majors. And... <laughs> I knew what that meant. <laughs> I know I, I knew then and I know now. And it was let's see how we can make all of the numbers into words uh, and how can we. But ultimately, what you just described is exactly what I took from that course. Yes. So I, I yes. feel I feel really good about it because I don't. Yeah. You know, I didn't. I don't grasp mm -hmm. numbers well at all. It's never been a strength, but they exactly right. what you described <laughs> where it's this sort of uh, a, a sort of a life skill of being able to shoot holes in, in the, the data that you might see the statistics that might be presented to you and be able to look mm -hmm. at it and say, but yeah, but, but yeah, but what about, and think about all of the variables that play into that number. Um, 
and how it's presented mm-hmm. to us, you know, in media yeah. or on the news, et cetera. So uh, that that spoke to me. Sorry. <laughs> but that, but you know what? You just completely confirmed that. Like, thank you, because that is why um, if, right. think if they had tried to push numbers down in like you got to know how you know if that main focus was on doing a t-test or knowing what is that p-value and what does it mean and you know versus that bigger thing and you know you might be looking back and saying oh i don't even understand and i i never got anything from that versus you're saying no i still feel like i got i mean so man kudos to your teacher and the designer right. of that course um because for me that's that big purpose and it doesn't matter whether we're teaching statistics whether it is you know a liberal arts specific course um you know whatever it is what is your big purpose like what is and so i kind of love that question um but i just want to make sure faculty just you know that's not just an online question that i think we need to be re-examining even in our face-to-face classes you know are we just lecturing straight from the book or are we really hitting what that big thing you want to get you know get from students and get them to remember and that mindset's so refreshing to me because as i'm doing some classroom visits and and being a little bit more involved in the process of coaching teachers in the classroom and not just the online learning environment uh, but using canvas as kind of that you know, that LMS piece, but seeing them in the classroom, getting out of the mindset, the mindset, I I saw a tweet that talked about, you know, your objectives on the board, but is that really what you're teaching? Are you putting it on the board because that's what you're being evaluated over, whether that objective is on the board or not? And this idea of gathering teachers back together and discussing the big question is super important. Like I wrote it down on the paper right in front of me, because as we get to do these interviews, we meet really cool people like you that you would just steal ideas from. So I'm like big question and like all caps, like what am I going to teach my teachers next? Which is like, think about the big question. Think about what you want them to walk away with. So I've got um, a really great guided worksheet. Um, Because what I did for the session, uh, which it just worked great. They got up, they've got up in pairs. I did like a kind of a think pair share thing where they did, you know, here's some great prompts, some, you know, questions on this worksheet that they kind of thought through on their own. Then they paired up and kind of shared. And then they got into even a bigger group at their table and shared what they were doing. And it turned into because we had people from all across the different (laughs) curriculum, all different areas. And it turned into amazing conversation. I mean, like I was like, okay, guys, like we were actually supposed to be done, but okay, you're still talking. So, okay, we'll just keep going. Um, But you could leave, you know, Uh, and it just, it was, it's one of those things. It just hit them really well, but it worked really well as I think kind of pair share where you really have them think about it on their own, but then pairing up and sharing And then really having bigger conversations with other educators. And then I even did, I mean, like a think, pair, share, 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 because it was then even a bigger. Uh, It just worked so great to really get to hear what other people were doing. And it, yeah, it was a wonderful experience for them. They loved it. So this is a bit of a cliffhanger. Kona was gracious enough to give us so much content and really her willingness to share her knowledge extended beyond our normal parameters of what a single episode looks like for us right now. So we've made the executive decision. We have split this episode into two parts and part two will be out next week with more Kona Jones. We hope you can join us for that episode. Thanks again for listening, guys. And again, part two, Kona Jones coming up next week. Thank you.